Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Early Moods. The song is the lead-off track of their self-titled debut LP. It's called Return to Salem's Gate. It came out last year on Riding Easy Records, and wouldn't you know it, that's what we're talking about on this episode, Riding Easy Records. I'm having a chat with Daniel Hall, the man behind it all. But first, you had to heard some doom, some heavy metal straight out of Los Angeles. For fans of Candlemas, maybe Black Sabbath, probably. All the classics apply. Early Moods does it right. And you'll hear a little bit about them in our conversation. But let's get moving because it is a long one. But first, Hot Zone. Check it! If you're like, hey, Dan, you sound like shit. You're right. This is the strep episode. My daughter had strep over the weekend. I seem to have got it myself right now. Just woke up feeling like fucking garbage sounding better than I feel. You know, I don't like to be a complainer when I'm sick, but I am. I don't like it, but I am. Uh, I feel like horse shit. So I'm not going to give you long introductions here. He was kind of uh, telling to me that this morning when I went to grab my pair of Riding Easy socks, I felt like today was the day to wear my pair of Riding Easy Records socks. There was a hole in them and I had to throw them out. So Friday, despite it being Friday, is not starting off good, but I'm going to hope to change that. I'm going to hope to change that for you, for me, for anybody who's out there listening. And I want to do that by getting into this episode quick and early because it is a long chat and it is a lot of fun, but I don't want to talk a lot right now. So let's listen to a track from Riding Easy's latest band that they put out, Westing. This is nothing new off of their new LP, Future.
start with the basic. When does uh, when does writing easy begin, and why does it begin? So um, we're actually our ten year anniversary is coming up, uh, and uh, on April first. Um, and uh, so we started. It started in, tw- in two thousand thirteen, and the reason that it started was because. Um, I had a day job. I was the kind of musical director for um, an advertising age or marketing agency. And our main client at the time was uh, the car brand Scion. And so I don't know if you remember the boxy cars or whatever, but um, they were a division yeah. of Toyota. And they were spending a ton of money uh, marketing in the music space. Um, and their mantra was sort of like, Hey, we could give, you know, $10 million and present a Justin Timberlake tour, or we could sponsor a bunch of really cool independent artists and bands and probably Mm -hmm. help those people out a lot more than like us working with like a major pop star. And they were totally right. And so, um, I was, they had a record label called Zion AV and there was a lot of things coming across my desk that, um, would not work for science purposes, but I thought was really cool. And after doing this for a few years, like there was just so many bands and I was like, you know what? Like, um, so anyways, I, I came across a band called Salem's pot, um, mm-hmm. from Sweden. And at the time they had about 65 Facebook fans are super tiny. There was a band camp release. And, um, that was never anything that I was going to get, you know, Scion on board with. They weren't big enough. They didn't have, they were. And so I just hit the band up and, said, Hey, um, I know you guys don't know me, but I would like to press this on vinyl and I don't have a label, but I'm going to start one. And, um, if you let me press 300 records, I'll give you guys 60 of those records. Um, and I'll sell the other 240 to break even. And that's what it's going to be. And they're like, sure, that sounds cool. And then, so those records sold out pretty quickly within like a week. So then I like said, Hey, you know, I can press some more. And they're like, yeah, dude, I mean, if you want to, and then like, and it kind of kicked off from there. And then I found another band and then, um, yeah. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. And I started like thinking outside the box and hitting up some of the labels that I was already giving money to on behalf of Scion and saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, um, you know, I noticed you haven't done a cassette for, you know, these titles, would you be interested in letting me do these cassettes on my new label? And they're like, you sure you want to do a cassette? Like, okay, fine. So like nuclear blast gave me some titles I could do relapse. Let me do some titles. Um, Century media. Let me do some stuff. Earache. Let me do some stuff. And um, so all of a sudden, like I was this label that was brand new and I had like, you know, cadaver cassettes and graveyard cassettes and sleep, Holy mountain. And like, you know, like these kind of like, pretty big title yeah, those are, those for are a big label records. that's new and um and the strategy was like if i just have these on cassettes and then i have my other bands that i'm working with like people be like what is this label mm-hmm. and that was kind of what kicked things off for us so i was never really a cassette guy but i re- i saw the value of the bigger bands being sort of like in the mix with the stuff so yeah it just kind of went from there and um yeah. And then like, it just kind of one thing led to the next. Um, I met Thomas Yeager from Monolord. 
before the label had started, we were just friends on Instagram from just like music posts and stuff like that. And then he hit me up and said, I'm starting a new band and I, I, you know, you should check it out. And um, so they sent me over the first monologue demos and I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I'd totally be into this. And so Empress rising kind of came out, that came out in 2014 and um, that record really took off. That band took off and um, Mm -hmm. it was all pretty, like pretty solid. And so by that time, things were kind of jiving and like, um, you know, like a year and a half after the label kind of officially started, I wasn't, I wasn't working at the day job anymore. I was just doing the label full time and really head in first. And, um, the reason that it started was, um, because there wasn't really a label like writing easy in the United States. Um, you know, that there was rise above that had like, you know, electric wizard and uncle acid and ghosts and, you know, a fantastic catalog, which I'm a huge fan of. And I was like, but, you know, it was really hard to get their records and it was really um, Mm -hmm. expensive and whatnot. And um, there just wasn't anybody in that space. And also um, it was at the beginning of of Instagram and it was really easy for me to just kind of connect with all these people that were like, like like-minded. It was kind of the golden age of, of Instagram. So there was no, algorithm or it's like you know it's like if you had twenty thousand followers like all twenty thousand people saw your shit you know what i mean and so that's kind of what what came down from so long of the short um there wasn't this grand thing for me to there was no like crazy business plan or i didn't take loan out or anything like that it's like it just started out of passion um and for fun and then it turned into something much bigger than I would have ever imagined. I mean, you know, starting a label in 2013 was not really, <laughs> you know, not like this amazing idea. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that, you know, there was, it wasn't like this get rich quick thing. You know, I wasn't working with bands that would ever probably sell thousands or millions of records. And yeah, it just was never that thing. And, um, but uh, yeah, it's been a, a really wild ride, and I've you know been so lucky to have worked with so many um, amazing, talented artists and bands and people, and the people that I've met along the way have, have been great. And um, yeah, we're still here today. That's awesome. I had no idea that that was that Scion AV was the origins of this, and that like brought a big smile to my face because I was trying to think earlier today when. Do I remember seeing Riding Easy or Easy Rider first? And I was thinking about it. I was like, I think it was stickers in my friend's basement. My friend Dom from A389 Records. Oh, yeah. In his basement, because he was doing all that shit with Scion AV as well. You do. Uh, and Dom, Dom was like one of my biggest inspirations and supporters, too, because, um, you know, he was he was banging it out out of his uh, out of his crib. And yeah. Dom is like is a beautiful soul. And, you know, and uh, absolutely. I I, I um, was super inspired by him. Uh, Dom and I met because uh, I became friends with um, Dwid from Integrity. and. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing some stuff. Simon was doing some stuff with integrity. Um, and, uh, he's like, Oh, you gotta meet my friend Dom. And that's kind of how that came about. And, um, I just loved his, his, um, positive vibes, his DIY ethic. Um, you know, he's just working his ass off. All a three eight nine was humming back then, man. It was, it was incredible. It really was. And, you know, if you look about it, look back at it, it's like, 
you know, he had, he launched a lot of those bands that are pretty fucking relevant today. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Full of hell is still a pretty fucking big band. I mean, they've got, <laughs> they've just kind of continued to go up and um, yeah, Dom always had his, his finger on the pulse. He was, he was ahead of the game for sure. And, um, but the, again, yeah, eight, three, eight, nine for sure. I mean, what a fantastic, fantastic, um, body of work. And, you know, uh, it, it's, I understand like at first when, uh, when he, you know, kind of wound, he wound it down and gave a lot of it or sold a lot of his titles off, or I don't know how it all worked out, but yeah. relapse ended up taking some of his catalog and keeping it in print was like, and I was like, Oh man, like, why are you doing that? And like now <laughs> in a year 10, I'm like, I totally I understand why you did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do it. He's like, don't worry. You're, you're only like a couple years into the marathon. You'll see. <laughs> it's funny though, because I remember I, I got a, a lot of those Scion AV records. I think they were through him. I don't know. Gates of slumber. There was an earthless split. There was a, uh, you know, a couple of 10 inches, like a revocation 10 inch. Yep. They're all behind me somewhere, you know, um, even yep. like some weird shit that wasn't even like, metal or rock like trouble and bass like some kind you know just like just other other random yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. But- that was a great it was a really good gig man um i mean uh it was really nice to work with a corporation that um really did invest in the arts and and like it it wasn't about necessarily you know it was a different time too like social media really wasn't as prevalent mm-hmm. when we were, when the when cyanab was cracking but i mean there was like twitter and, and there was some facebook stuff but it wasn't it wasn't like how it is now and um they really um they they really believed in a lot of like up-and-coming artists and small companies and labels and stuff like that and um you know, I always kind of joke around, like, you know, now being a, a small label owner, like, fuck, wh- where's the scion now? Like, wh- how, <laughs> right. how can I, like, I would really like to have something like that. Like I could use that help. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. sure. um, but it doesn't exist. There's nobody. I would think that there would be somebody who would be like, yeah, maybe, you know, there's corporations. I mean, like Toyota's like marketing budget to like for the Camry is like a billion dollars a year. <laughs> like why couldn't they just peel off like 30 million and like break off some cool bands? Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, but anyways, that's uh, neither here or there, but that's how it started. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, that's, you know, it's again, it was never, it was never planned, man. It, it, it just, you know, and I guess the coolest things in life really aren't planned. They just, they just happened, but that's how it was. Like there was no, you know, year one, we're doing this and year two, we're doing this and we'll be at break even by this time. It is none of that, dude. It was all just like parlaying one, one thing into the next. And it was, um, it was great. You know, it was like, I sold some, some records that I had duplicate records on discogs and funded the first release. And that's how it's been ever since. And I haven't had to take any loans or anything. It's just, everything's sort of just funded itself. It's pretty incredible. And I do know that there was a, I guess, yeah. I guess maybe, maybe you'd say a little bit of a hiccup there in the beginning. Cause you started out as easy rider and then had to do the name change. What was to riding easy? What was the catalyst for that? So, um, I had started the label as easy rider uh, after my favorite Hendrix song. Hmm. And, um, when I went to register the trademark, um, Easy Easy Writers Magazine, Paisano Publications, they got a notification saying, hey, there's a label that is mm-hmm. trying to, you know, uh, do this or whatever. And um, 
so they came back and they said, Hey, you can't do that. And I said, well, why not? You know? And they're like, well, you know, you're, you're using our name, <laughs> which is so funny. You're using our name and confusing the marketplace. People think this is our label. And I was like, dude, you guys wear like bedazzled jeans and like um, Ed Hardy deep bees. Like no one thinks that this is that like, you, like you guys aren't cool. Like, trust me, like this is not that. <laughs> And they're like, well, we, you know, we, we're not comfortable with it. You're, you know, we're a media company and what you're starting is a media company. So we do not approve this. Um, that being the case, we, you know, we, we, you have to find something else out, but we're not, we're not trying to make your life difficult. We're just not comfortable. It's too close to, to comfort for us. So, um, so I just said, okay, well, how about writing easy? And they said, we're totally cool with that. That's fine. No problem. So that's what we did. And we changed it. I was really nervous. It was in the first year mm-hmm. and I was really nervous. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to tell the bands who signed to easy rider? You know what I mean? And um, nobody gave a shit. And guess what? <laughs> the, audience, the audience didn't care. And it was literally, uh, if anything, you know, a, a blip, uh, you know, it was like a talking point for us to you know, we're being persecuted by the man. And, you know, and like, it was it like, it worked in our favor and it was fine. And everybody was like, Oh, that magazine sucks anyways. And yeah, it was just a stupid shit. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, that, and that's how that happened. And um, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, the, the logo said easy rider. We, the same guy who did it, uh, dust LaRock who RIP passed away. Uh, he flipped it and, uh, and then we were back, back on track. <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty funny. And you're right. Cause I don't know that I noticed the switch. I just noticed one day that some of the records were different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, I just like, well, yeah. wait, wait, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. 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 They had, they had contacted me in uh, December of um, 2013. And I think by the time it all got sorted out, like, I think it was like, may of 2014 that we were no longer putting the logo on any of this stuff so yeah so the first year basically and year and yeah the first 13 months of the label's existence all that stuff was branded easy rider and then after that so like the first mono lord empress rising is a easy is a easy rider release but then everything after the second pressing and all that was it was all a, a writing easy stuff so mm. that's how you know you have a first pressing it says easy rider mm. Mm. Gotcha. So you, you started out, not all of them, but with, uh, a couple of maybe some would say Swedish doom bands. If we're generalizing, yeah, dude. I mean, there is something in the water in Sweden for sure. Um, yeah, I was working with um, them and then, uh, I was working with Spelljammer, and then I was working, um, obviously with Salem's pot. Um, another band from Sweden that we worked with early on was a band called our old man's will. Um, kind of like a boogie rock thing. Um, who else did we work with from Sweden? Um, another band from Sweden that came on kind of later on, uh, in year, like, you know, in the past few years, the band called Alistair, another kind of like rock doom act. Um, fire breather who's current now. Their U S tours kicking off next week with the well. Um, I'm not sure when this airs, but, um, but It'll yeah, be before good. the end of the month. So, oh, great. So, yeah. So, so I got to get you in before the end of March. So, next yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Their, their, their tour kicks off on um, Monday, the 27th, and goes for basically the full month of April. 
So yeah, man, that's, so that's happening with them. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't anything necessarily on purpose. I just kept finding Swedish bands that I thought were really cool. Oh, this other band called Swamp um, that uh, they're from Sweden as well. But um, it's not that I've intentionally done this, um, but I've been, uh, it seems as of lately, most of my bands have been US based and specifically West Coast based. I, um, and it's not like I, there's, it's not like a prerequisite of, you know, oh, you got to be in my same area, uh, you know, like time zone or anything. But um, for whatever reason, yeah, we're just super West Coast. Heavy just got right more now. legal like, weed out there. That's all it is. I think that's what it is and mushrooms and I don't know, but uh, yeah. So like our, our, our roster right now, like that, you know, is pretty, pretty West coast base, you know, it's like, um, you know, so you know, RIP is in Portland. Um, Mondo drag is in Oakland. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have death chant zigzags here lies man, um, early moods. Those guys are all, um, Los Angeles based Blackwater Holy Light lives in LA now. Um, we we're not, we've, they've moved on from us now. We're, we've done our three records with them and, um, I think they're going to go on to something different, uh, on the next go around for them, but still nonetheless, their, 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 their alma mater is here. So, uh, you know, the first three records are here. And so, but yeah, it's weird. We, we, we've got so many bands sort of like local now, um, which was never the case in the beginning, which was, you know, mm -hmm. Which is cool. So, but yeah, man, um, nothing again, not, none of it had any sort of strategy or whatever. It was always just kind of stuff that <sighs> struck my fancy and I, I, I felt inspired to work with and talk to them and seemed like they had the right ideas. And that was it. It was great. You know, there was nothing again, a, a lot of it was just feeling and emotion. It wasn't anything that there was not some crazy strategy to go in and like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. There was no, you weren't like, I want bands that sound like this. It's just stuff that you like. I have to guess. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we, we put out records. Um, like I, I, I think of myself as like a musical curator. And so it's like, for me, it's like, um, especially like when we're signing a new band, most, most of the time when we sign a new band, the record's done, they're looking for a home for this record. Mm. So like the, the record will get sent to me and, it, and I'll be like, Oh, I know exactly what I'm getting here. And then I'll be like, I look at it as like, Oh, this, we need to make this like, this needs to be on people's shelves. Like people need to have this record. So I look at this as like, this is me doing my part, like turning music people onto new music. Like, like, you know, it's like my thing. And so, and then, um, you know, so those are like the current things that we're working on. And then we also do quite a bit of um, reissue stuff as well from like blast the past. So like, um, um, Lance from permanent records and I uh, became friends probably about 10 years ago. He used to do this night um, where he DJ all night, play rare fucking rock 45s and shit. And mm -hmm. he always had like, super hot shit like like what the fuck is this dude like you know like he's just always that guy who just always had sick records and um he's like oh yeah you know and so like one day i was asking him about something he's like oh i have, I have a few of those at the shop and i was like what do you mean you have a few of those like how, how do you have a few of those and he's like oh well you know i i reached out to you know the band and stuff to have had me left in the garage and this guy had some so he sold them to me and i was like oh well, that's fucking cool and he's like yeah i actually do that a lot uh He's like, I'll make you a mixtape of all the stuff that I've gotten stuff from. So he did. And I was like, um, 
he's like, and I think it was initially if like, if I wanted to buy some 45s, like he's like, here's all the stuff that I have, you know what I mean? And so then he he made his playlist and I, and I was like, I was like, dude, you know how to get a hold of all these people? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, what? why aren't you doing compilations? And he said, I just don't have the bandwidth, dude. Like I, I, you know, I'm running a fucking record store and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'll fucking let's, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We figured it out. Um, and I launched the Brown acid series, um, in 2015. And, um, yeah, dude, we just turned in the, for the 17th one. So mm-hmm. it's been going on. We've been doing two a year and it's literally, there was so much, heavy buzzed out seventies rock that happened between like 68 and 79. That it was just absolute. Some of it is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happened with it for whatever reason. Um, you know, there's, you know, my band could have been everything, you know what I mean? But <laughs> right. damn, Jimmy blew his hand off blowing fireworks. Who knows what happened, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, yeah, here we are. And so um, so that series has been really great. And that's also led to reissuing full length albums. So the Brown Acid compilation is sort of like post hippie, pre-punk, heavy 70s rock. Um, there was so much more to life than Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and Zeppelin and Hendrix. And while all those acts are fantastic and part of the musical makeup of, of my listening, um, what there was a ton of things that just weren't get, were just getting overlooked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was no real writing easy back in the day that would have put these bands out. Like it was either like you were either signed to a major label yeah. or nothing yeah. there. Were, you know what I mean? And so, um, so there's a lot of these private press 45s that bands press 200, you know, out of like whatever Toledo, Ohio. And they, you know, uh, they, you know, maybe they, some got within a hundred miles of radius to get gigs and they'd be like, here, we have a record show that they're legit. And, and then some would get sent out to the A&R guys that like these labels. And then that was it. Like, and, and so if, if nothing kind of happened from that, they didn't really keep on going, you know what I mean? Or, you know, it just, it never really did its thing. They maybe did covers for a few years and then, you know, had to grow up and fucking get, get jobs and have kids and start the American dream. I don't know, but for whatever reason, but there's a ton of those. So that being the case, um, we've been, you know, actively archiving those. Um, everybody gets paid. They're not bootlegs. You know, the accounting statements when it's time to do accounting is atrocious. It literally takes me like four business days, like all day. Like, I mean, dude, it's so many. Like, we just went through it and um, we issued 141 checks just for brown acid, right? And so nobody's getting rich off of this, but it's the fact that they still get that statement and and a lot of these guys the first time they've ever made any money doing music their whole fucking Mm -hmm. life even if it's 20 bucks it's still something you know what i mean and so um so there's that and then we also have reissued some projects some full-length lp projects that like either never came out or like you know got one pressing a long time ago and then it's just been like well dude i think we could probably get a fresh new cover for this thing and give this new life so so yeah yeah yeah, i'd like to talk a little bit about specifically that um because the brown acid thing to me has been fascinating. Like I remember seeing the ads in decibel when you started doing it and just kind of go, what the fuck is this? And I didn't bite for a couple of years, but when I finally did, I was like, holy shit, this, you know, it was by then it was like streaming was out. So I was able to check them out. And, uh, I, I kind of became actually 
the, the box that's sitting over here <laughs> behind behind my right. shoulder uh, i'll be underneath the tv over there because the other weekend i was i had the ice record on so oh, yeah. what you're getting to i had ice on and my brother was over here and my brother who's you know likes 60s and 70s stuff but doesn't fuck with anything current you know and he's right. like what is, what is this and i was like oh you know i mean let's be real that's why i had the record on i wanted him to I wanted him to bite. And uh, so I I show him, well, this is this band from that era and uh, show him that record. And then I'm like, actually, wait here. And then, you know, come down, grit the whole box says like, look at this whole thing. And, you know, just going through it with them, having them look at the back. I was like, look at all this shit. This is is all stuff that exists that we we never got. And I think it's so cool. And the behind the stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that you're talking about too, where you're actually paying these guys probably for the first time is such another cool element to it. I just, I really love this is somebody who loves, uh, showing people new music. This is like the ultimate, like showing somebody new music. It, it totally, you're right. And that ice record is a perfect example of a record that, um, they recorded the record. I mean, it sounds like it could have been at a major label. It's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound lo-fi at all. It's a very well recorded mixed and mastered record. Um, and it, the songs are great. And like, you know, I mean, it just, it just didn't get, it didn't get picked up. The band funded it themselves. And then like, it just never really came out. And like, so there was that whole album and they had put it out on CD themselves a few years ago, but like, um, since it wasn't attached to anything that had any sort of footprint, like a writing easy, mm-hmm. it just kind of went off in infamy and it wasn't really, so we put new artwork with it and gave it a relaunch and um yeah it's a it's a it's a great success story and um yeah it's been great we've gotten a few licenses for them and like you know they've gotten like some some pretty decent checks with it and like you know they you know again that's another great thing and like you know is anybody driving ferraris from it no you know what i mean but um you know it's out there and it's in the ether and there's like rock bands like yourself and, um, and, you know, others who have like, yo, I'm stoked to have this record. And it's totally oh, yeah. one of those things where you can put it on. And if somebody likes classic rock, they'll be like, Oh, this sounds cool. What is this? You know what I mean? And you'd be like, yeah, man, you know? So, but yeah, um, doing that one was great. Uh, connecting with Randy Holden on population mm-hmm. two, which was like, you know, a huge thing for me and, um, you know, getting him to allow us to do that. Uh, There's so much, you know, folklore around that record and it had been bootlegged so many times and him being in um, blue cheer and stuff like it was um, a real treat to be able to, you know, have that on the, on the roster as well. Um, and uh, recently last year, um, another one that because of Randy, um, I met uh, the guys in sorcery um and uh sorcery um made one record and it was um for the soundtrack for this the stunt rock film if you're not familiar with stunt rock it's basically jackass meets spinal tap um before spinal tap um and it's about this heavy metal band uh like this 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 stunt man from Australia comes to LA and hangs out with this heavy metal band called sorcery, which is a real band. And they do magic shit, magic tricks during their show. And it's all totally crazy. And it's stunts. So it's basically stunts, heavy metal and explosions and magic, like the whole movie. It's, it's like the want? best thing ever. Yeah. And so, but the soundtrack, um, 
you know, that being their only album, they, I, for whatever reason, like, and that was another thing they got, they were in a bad deal and the company kind of shelved them and um, never paid them. And they were never really in a place to like, go take the rights back. But now as, as older guys and grown up, they're like, fuck that shit, dude, we're not dealing with that anymore. And so, yeah, we've, we've done things properly. And so now, yeah, now you can, um, now that album is out there and like, dude, it's a, I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but it's a sick ass seventies, like metal record. Like it's, oh, I've certainly listened to it. I don't, I don't own it, but I've, I've, I've listened to it. There's a, if I, if I bought everything I wanted to off of you, I wouldn't have a lot of money left. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fair caved, enough, enough, I almost cave weekly on your, on your emails. Uh, you, you, you do like perfect marketing for somebody like me, uh, who just wants to bite on every single thing that you guys put out. Uh, but it's because it's because you've delivered, you know, like the, the, from, from the heavy stuff, from the Sabbath worship stuff. I don't, I don't mean just to, I mean the music, the shirts too, but the music as well. Today I I wore a pair of riding easy socks to work today. You know what I mean? This is what I'm saying. Like you've, you really (laughs) like, like, uh, you've done so much with this label in just 10 years. It's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, sorry, the way you respect the past and continue to like push new bands is not done by many labels before or since. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, to be completely transparent, um, there's no way that I, I could have done everything here by myself. Um, I, uh, my wife helps me out immensely. Um, those email blasts, she's the one who puts those together. Um, she does all of the artwork and layout. Um, she is really um, a huge sort of like um, silent force, uh, not public facing, uh, but she's very, very much involved with the day to day on the label. And, um, you know, a lot of these merch ideas and stuff like, you know, it's like we come up with together. But no, I mean, she implements a lot of it. And like she's the one that gets a lot of it um, actually from like uh sitting around stone talking about to be like, okay, so I found a place that can make these socks. All right. How much money do we have right now? Okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's get some socks this month. You know what I mean? And like, and everything from like, you know, or I'll come up with an idea like, oh man, we should make like record weights with our logo on it. And she'd be like, oh, I I think I saw a place that makes those. Let's look into it. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, I fortunately, you know, I have her to, to really help things out, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Like, you know, I, um, always kind of wanted to look at like with like the shirts and the merch and stuff like that. Um, you know, one thing that always blew my mind is how many people wear thrasher shirts, mm, even yeah. people who don't skate. Right. And, um, and I, I, you know, and then I sat there and I was asking myself like, why the fuck do so many people wear that shirt? Like it's, I mean, it's not like that amazing of a logo and it's like, what, what is, and the reason that they wear that shirt is because they like what it stands for. Right. And so, um, the same way that like, you know, the Kardashians want to wear like a tattered, like Iron Maiden shirt or, or whatever, they don't listen to that shit. <laughs> They couldn't pick out one song, but they like what it stands for. It makes them feel edgy. Right. And so, you know, knowing, understanding that, then it's like, okay, well, if we stand for something that people think is cool then they're going to buy our shirts because they're going to want to identify with that. And that's what it's all about. That's why you see a guy in the Midwest wearing like a Volcom sweatshirt. Like the guy doesn't serve or skate but he likes what it stands for. It makes him feel like he's part of that club. And so, um, 
that's kind of been the idea. So it's like, there's a lot of clothing companies that, you know, will spend a lot of money outfitting artists or, you know, whatever, showing that they stand for something. And what I was like, okay, well, the clothing and the merchandise is going to have to be a big part of how this company makes money. Also, um, I don't have to do a revenue split with writing easy t-shirt because those are mine versus like when we sell a record it's like we split the profits with the band as we should because that is their art and I, i'm all for that you know what i mean but um so that's kind of how that all works you know what i mean yeah for sure and it seems like it it really works like the, the amount of stuff that you guys have and put out and like you it's writing easy is is almost as much of a brand as it is a, a label well, yeah, no, it is a brand. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And what does that brand stand for? It's like, okay, well, and you know, it's like, it's like anything. It's like, um, you know, some of my favorite labels that I sort of mentioned earlier, but like when you see a rise above logo, when you see a third man logo, when you see a, you know, a man's ruin logo, when you see a three, eight, nine logo or a relapse logo, you kind of know what you're in for. You're like, ah, I know the body of work on these labels. Like it's a trusted source. I'm going to go and I'm going to like, even if I haven't heard this, like I'm pretty sure this is going to be right on my own. You know what I mean? Like if you saw one of our, one of the reissue records and there was a little sticker on it that said, as heard on Brown acid, you'd be like, I'll bet you this is fucking dope. I'm going to check this out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the, (laughs) that's the problem with why I want to buy everything you do. Cause I see it's just coming out on, on the (laughs) label. And, but I like, like, I know I'm not alone in that. I know like, for somebody I know I'm just not the only music idiot out here. Who's just like, Oh, I want records, records, records. And I have my labels that I look to every time. And I'm sure writing easy is that for a lot of people out there. Yeah. I, I hope so. That's the plan anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a couple of bands that I wanted to ask you about specifically uh, more of the, the recent stuff. Cause sure. I could really, I could really go on about the old stuff like that. Randy Holden population too. I, I love that record. I would have never found that if it wasn't for you guys doing that. Now I've got, you know, the, that pressing. And then I think I ended up with a test pressing one, one, one of your things with that as well. But the, uh, oh, cool. but there's stuff like the newer stuff, like that death chant record from, was that like, maybe that may, might even be two years ago. I love that fire breather from last year, the early moods. I think that was last year. Um, early, mood, yeah, they, early moods came out last year. Fire breather came out last year. Death chant um, came out in June of 2021. Yeah. That might be two years ago, but there, there's, there's a band who, almost more than their music, their, uh, their style is, is so intriguing to me. Tell me about RIP and the, (laughs) and working with a, with a band that promotes themselves like that. I mean, I don't really know what, what you can say that hasn't been said already, but I will say that, um, you know, RIP is, if you don't know who they are, uh, you should go and, and look them up. Um, their front man, Fuzz, who goes by Fuzz in Peace. Um, and I know this is going to sound cliche. is probably the greatest front man in, uh, in, in underground heavy metal. That's doom. why I bring it up, man. <laughs> like, like he is, he kind of embodies like, uh, like mid eighties, like, Ric Flair, WWE or WWF, like, like hype man, uh, energy, like all the time. Um, his, uh, his Instagram is fuzz and peace. Uh, he does daily dialogues on there. Um, and, uh, 
he appears on those videos to be in character. But let me tell you, that is legitimately who you're dealing with. Um, One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, even when it's like the cameras are not on, like it's like he's he, he's the best man. Um, but the band themselves, I mean, the thing is, I think there's some people where it like I feel like with them, um, there could they're definitely a band that could like I think some people see them and they and he and his videos are so outrageous. Like I don't know if they take them as serious, but I can tell you right fucking now that band is serious as cancer, dude. Like getting, if you get a chance to see them play, they fucking bring it. And it is no joke. I mean, it is like balls to the fucking wall. They call it street doom, dude. It's just fucking proper. Like in your face, like heavy metal dude. Like, and like, um, he can sing his ass off. He's a good showman. He's a good front man. Um, you know, he plays, you know, he has a scythe that he plays with. That's part of his mic stand. I mean, like he's an original, he's an original, their whole band is original, but yeah, they're great. They're a great band. They're from Portland. And, um, you know, he, one thing that I really like about them is, um, you know, Portland has gotten so ridiculous over the years, um, with just being Portland, uh, and I won't go into any of the the nuances there, but I think, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's almost a cliche of itself at these times. And so he really plays into that and he's constantly fucking, you know, around that. And, and so it's something that, um, I, I it's something that I, I really, uh, admire about him. Like he's not, they're, they're definitely not taking life too serious as many people seem to be in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know what I mean. It does. It does. I, be careful. I don't want to get fucking canceled over here, but uh, yeah, they're definitely a little uptight up there. It seems like so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I totally agree with you about that, and uh, that's funny. You know, I don't know that I ever put together that they were from Portland, but uh, it doesn't. Well, make they don't sense. come off that way at all, <laughs> which is so fucking funny. You know what I mean? So, anyways, but yeah. here we are. But no, Dad, they're they're the shit, and um, I think they're actually going to be doing some East Coast dates pretty soon. They're playing Desert Fest, uh, New York, New York. Like in September, and I don't know if they're doing anything else. But yeah, I would definitely, if you're an East Coaster, you should um, do not sleep on the opportunity. To see R.I.P. I, I really think they're like one of the most underrated bands um, on the label, and I think that they would probably get they would probably be a bigger band. Um, they just don't tour that much and and that's okay like you know what i mean like not every band um 
has that mentality. You know, not every band is like, oh my God, we're, you know, it's like there's a lot of bands that make great records that just want to make a record and play some shows when it works out for their schedule. But like, you know, they have lives and and I totally respect that. And that's totally cool. I'm with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can't be a full-time thing for everybody. You know, different people have different expectations and desires from their bands. And I've learned that for sure from talking to people, you know, this is like almost the 300th episode. I've done this a ton of times and it's always interesting where people want their band to go and usually has something to do with their age, but uh, you know, that's cool. The RIP is a, a very cool band. Um, you talked about a little bit, or you mentioned uh, maybe their records would do better and well, I paraphrased. That's not exactly what you said, but it just it brought something up in my head where I just wanted to ask you that I like asking people in labels if there has been a record that overperformed, that kind of went over way better than you were expecting, uh, that started selling. And you're like, holy shit, where'd this come from? Well, I mean, um, a band that's always been pretty much right out of the gate, pretty like, in demand is monolord um from the first on sale i remember it because um i remember very clearly what happened um the first day that empress rising went on sale and, and we were only a label for i don't know like maybe less than a year when we pre-sailed that and um it just fucking like was shocking um i think we pre-sold it was several hundred. I mean, it was like, and you know, I mean, it was like, and for us to be in our like, I don't know, like 22nd release or something like that. Um, I mean, I got caught with my pants down. I mean, I was packing orders after work for like three weeks trying to get caught up and it just wasn't. And I mean, I wasn't complaining about it, but it was like, wow. So yeah, that was something that um, definitely did very, very well. You know, um, I have obviously, you know, it's like, um, you know, I've done this a few times now we've got 167 titles out there or whatever. So it's like, mm-hmm. and, um, I always, what I've, what I learned now is that like, it's always better to have to repress something than it is for us to be, you know, in, in, uh, it, it is for us to be sitting on 500 records in the fucking warehouse and hoping to God people buy them. You know what I mean? You know, and so, yeah. You know, what's funny about that is, uh, that, that exact thing happened to Dom when he released the record from my band. <laughs> <laughs> he, probably up, he probably ended up with a shitload of extra seven inches. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think he could give them away, you know, at the end, I'm still giving them away. You know? Yeah. But, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, you know, um, uh, unless a band is going to be an active touring band. Um, we usually just start with 500 LPs <laughs> and, um, you know, Hopefully it does what it does. Um, you know, like with this Westing record that just came out, which is excellent. That's such a good record. Yeah. Um, you know, we started with 500 LPs and, uh, pre-sales on it have been good. I mean, I think we've, we pre-sold about 200 and since we just got it yesterday or whatever, like, it's like one of those things where it's like, once people like, Oh shit, like it's here. Like, I don't have to wait 
six months for my money sitting over writing easy. Like I'm going to order a copy now. Um, while pre-sales though, are the thing that really help. So if you think you're going to buy something like pre-ordering something from a label is like the best sign of support you can for, a, for a band and for the label. Um, because it, it definitely helps keep gas in the tank for the journey of, of the record cycle. But yeah. And like, and then it's like, you know, and then the distributors have asked, you know, for basically 250. So like, we're basically out, you know what I mean? And, and, and so it's like, Oh shit. Like, so, and the bands, you know, we've allotted some for the band and then, you know, the band tells me like, Hey, we're planning on doing a tour in September. It's like, okay, well then we'll, we have the print for 500 more. Let's go ahead and get that job started. And then hopefully have for, for September or whatever. But yeah, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's at. There's, you know, I stopped, I've never ordered a shitload of records hoping to thinking that a band was going to blow up. It, 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 it's, it's always sort of been like, okay, well, you know, um, like with early moods, we started with a thousand, but early moods plays a lot of fucking shows. So I was like, well, I know we can sell at least four or 500 of these. And then if they're going to be playing shows, they're going to need these for their shows. So that's the way it goes. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Um, so, you know, and with them, it's like, you know, the first pressing of a thousand is gone and we're now on our second pressing of 500 and which is totally great. It's, it's awesome. Um, but you know, it's, it's like one of those things where, um, I, you know, when you sign a band, you hope that everybody's going to think it's great. You hope you can sell several thousand copies of it, but, um, very rarely does that happen. Most bands, you know, will sell a thousand or 1500 copies over the course of a few years. Um, but if they're not a touring band, most bands sell between 500 and 700 copies of a record. Like that's a right. standard, you know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, I don't think I really had knew, you know, how big Blackwater Holy Light would become. Um, but they were another band that, um, you know, they made all the the right decisions. They, you know, and they put out, you know, rec th three records in a pretty quick amount of time and mm -hmm. continued to, we continued to get them, you know, on great tours. And then they started doing some touring on their own and um, got them on some good festivals. And, you know, the, now they're part of the fucking thing, you know, they've been around, around for five years now and they're a real functioning band. And um, yeah, but you know, it's like, um, I'm just excited anytime somebody buys any of our releases that are new, because um, to me, that's like, you know, you could spend that 24 bucks um, on sort of, there's so many options out there and for people to come and, and, and be like, nah, I, I have a limited amount of money, but this is something I want to have. Um, that's like the highest compliment, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. with, you know, all the options out there of like, there's a lot of small labels and there's a lot of big labels you can spend your money with. And, um, and there's, you know, and it's not just labels. You can go to the record store and, you know, and this is real easy to spend $24 at a record store. You know what I mean? Or 30 bucks, whatever it is. So, but yeah, there's, there's never really, I think, um, I would have to say like the one band that just has constantly just been like a powerhouse is monolith for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I assume so. I assume they had, they've, they've kind of been, I mean, I have all their records on myself as well. Um, and always have, right. They're all, they're banned. I'm always, I mean, I know they're, they're elsewhere now, but always waiting for their new, new stuff. Yeah. Uh, and with Monolord, you know, um, 
you know, we started working together, obviously at the beginning and, uh, and then, um, you know, they, their record, we do three record deals over here. And when their three record deal was up, um, that they, they came and they said, you know, um, Hey man, like, what do we do now? Because, you know, we really like working with writing easy and we like working with you. And, but we obviously probably need to be somewhere bigger. What do you suggest? And I said, well, I said, you know, if I was your label, I would say, why don't we sign you guys up for the U S and then license your record to a European label. So you have writing easy in the U S and something else. Nuclear blast or something worldwide. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And, uh, um, but I said, but if I was your manager, I would probably say, let's just go and find a bigger label. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was your manager, this is what I would do. And they said, oh, well, you know, and I'm not somebody who I, I don't set out to manage access. It's not really, I mean, I'll do it if it makes sense to do it. But like um, a lot of bands don't really need a manager. They need somebody to, they need an agent who can open doors for them and a record label that's going to like assist said agent and helping them get on whatever. Like, and so, so yeah, so then, um, so I started managing Monolord and I was my idea to take them to relapse. And I was the one that, you know, uh, got them in the door over there and, and, you know, negotiated their deal and whatnot. And, um, you know, it was funny when the band announced like, Oh, you can't believe you guys would leave writing easy or whatever. <laughs> and like, um, you know, it was like, I, you know, it's like the internet people like, you know, you like, facilitated it. Yeah. And I jumped in and I was like, dudes, I, I was like, everybody like, this is, this is all on the up and up. This is actually our idea. Like we're in the interest of seeing bands grow. Like, writing easy shouldn't be your label your whole life. Like we're a launching pad. Right. And so it's like the best compliment that I could have as a label owner is to sign a band from out of thin air, develop them, and then make them a band that makes sense for a relapse or a nuclear blast or a sub pop or one of these bigger entities to want to come along and be like, yeah, we'd like to put out record number four or number five. And Mm -hmm let them run the the torch around the track and like put some marketing dollars and elbow grease and let me reap the benefits of selling the first three records. I mean, that is the business model here. So yeah, it's, it's all good, man. Like there's really no egos involved. And if it seems like, Oh, it doesn't make sense for a band to be here anymore. um, I'm not going to stand in the way. Like, dude, like I, it's not an ego thing for me. This really is about like, let's do what's best for the band and the music and make sure that their Thanksgiving, if there's something got so big, let's say the monolore turned into like a Mastodon level and I just could not handle it. Guess what? I would figure out a way to you know, license that to a larger entity. Like I would not let the band su- suffer because it was like, no, this is mine. And like, it's not doing that. Like, that's not what it's about, man. It's, it's, it's about doing what's best for everybody. And obviously, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I want to make money too. You know, it's like, so let's, let's figure out the best way to do that. So, yeah, but that's, that's a, those are two, you know, bands that I think are, that kind of came out of here and I'm stoked to be involved on the first things and, you know, you know, their history will always be tied to this label. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. And it's a, it's a nice feather in your cap as you know, but not not that you're looking for it, but, but why not, you know, why not have it? Sure. No, absolutely. And, you know, younger bands coming on, they're like, well, let's look at this label's body of work and be like, oh, fuck, well, fuck, I like that record. Oh, dang, he put that out too. Oh, great. You know, 
Well, so, speaking um, on that, yeah, are you are you totally hammered pretty regularly with people uh, trying to get your attention? All the time. Um, and I don't, I don't, it, I don't let it get to me. I don't bother me or whatever people, right. um, people email me all the time. And, uh, I politely turn down 99.9% of it. Um, I'll take a look, a quick listen. Um, I have that, you know, for me, uh, as, um, time goes on and understanding how much goes into selling a record and, um, it's got, a band's kind of got to check a lot of boxes for me these days. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really putting out things that are, um, bedroom after work projects for people anymore. Um, I, I think there's a, those, it's great that those records exist. Um, but I, uh, I get most excited when a band wants to wake up and work on their band every day. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's hard for me to get up and work on a band every day if I'm the only one doing it. So if you're uh, doing this full time, I think it's reasonable to expect that what you're promoting is also a full-time operation. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, And like some sort of a plan, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so I, I don't really, um, so, so that cuts down a lot of it and, um, you know, but, but that being said, I, it, that's not the end all be all, but I'm just saying like, for me lately, it just seems like most of the bands that, um, we've signed in the past few years, which hasn't been a lot of new bands. Um, you know, we signed, uh, let's see. Well, Death Chan and Early Moods are the last two <laughs> signings. And, um, you know, that's like, we, we haven't done anything. You know, it's like we've been, I've had to be more like. Well, West, Westing is pretty new, right? Yeah, but that was slow season. Right. So slow season was already fine here. So you just kind of rolled them over. Yeah. And so they had a lineup change and um, had to change the name because the guy who's getting, getting, the, the booted out of the band was being shitty about the situation. And they just, and I was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. But yeah, it's still, I mean, so, but it's, it's basically a slow season thing. There wasn't a new contract or anything like it was gotcha. just like, okay, yeah. this is what we're calling it out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of where, that's kind of where things are at, but yeah, I mean, um, and, uh, you know, like Mondo drags got a new record coming out this year. Mm-hmm. They're not a band that relentlessly tours. Um, but their records are so fantastic. And when they do tour, like it's an event. Um, and so it's like, it's okay. Um, with that, like, uh, you know, but like for new bands, new bands starting out, you know, Mondo drag has been a band for like 15, 17 years or something. Um, but for new bands starting out, you know, it's like, if it's a new band and I'm going to get involved, um, I, you know, I've had bands that I thought were going to go the, the distance or whatever. And they broke up after one record. And it's like, you know, if I'm going to build a place, build a house for us to, or, you know, if I'm going to plant trees, um, I want to make sure that these trees have, you know, is a few years of nourishment so that they could bear us some fruit, you know? And, and sure. if that's not going to be happening, I'm not in, it's a marathon for me, it's not a sprint. I, I want to, I'm really in for a long haul if I can like, and so, and I understand and like, you know, like if you think about it, it's like, look at like, you know, sleep is a perfect band to look at this as because you know it's like 
Holy Mountain came out in, in like the early 90s, like 93 or 94 or something. Mm-hmm. And even with its um, placement in Gummo, like it didn't even catch on back then. And I remember watching that movie Gummo and be like, oh, the song sounds cool. But I never even thought to think about the band, really. I mean, I knew what sleep was, but like it wasn't like this thing. And then all of a sudden, like the late 2000s come around and then like sleep is like the second coming. It is the fucking craziest thing. And it's like it's all of a sudden it's like really taken off and like people are freaking the fuck out over sleep and i i mean it's great and i'm stoked that their day finally came but it fucking took almost 20 years <laughs> like, and so and so um so you know it's like that's one thing you know it's like for me it's like hey you know it's it's our job to make sure that people know who these bands are and even if a record came out six or seven years ago you may have just learned about the label like last year so you got some catching up to do and like i like to think about you know the records that we put out Yes, it's got a certain style and sound, but it doesn't mean that like it's it's ever going out of style. Um, it's kind of got a timeless vibe. Like if you're into this kind of aesthetic, there's no reason why you wouldn't think that the earlier releases were any worse than the new releases. Like it's just like, you know what I mean? So we're so, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. And um, yeah, there's a lot of bands like that we put out that like. Holy Serpent's another one where, um, you know, their last record, Endless, came out a few years ago. And, dude, it's like, honestly, it's like one of the be- my favorite records that we've put out over here. And so we constantly keep it in the rotation of promotion because it's like it's even though it came out a few years ago, like it's a fucking fantastic album. And like it's like. There's always room for another fantastic album on 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 a listener's you know shelf, and so it's like just because you missed it when it came out doesn't mean that you you, you missed the boat. Like you can get on the boat whenever you want, you know. Right. And that's kind of how how I approach it. I know that some people are like oh let me promote the new shit, but no, it doesn't matter if something's not in cycle. We want to make sure that, like I said, people are learning about the label every day, mm-hmm. new newcomers and whatever, and um we're happy to have you and we want people to check us out. And, um, and like I said, like everything that we put out, I totally stand by still today. I I don't look at it and be like, like, I don't think we have like our, our like 1980s moment where, you know, like (laughs) synthesizers and and shit like that. And I don't have an issue with those. Like I think ZZ top eliminator is one of the greatest records of all time, but I use that as an, as a thing, like even ZZ top, like, you know, how do you go from Trace Ombres to like that? Like if you're a, you know what I'm saying? So, but regardless, we don't have anything where I feel like we've gone down and tried to follow a trend um, with this label. So the aesthetic is still the same. And I think that like, if you played the Holy Serpent, you know, endless record for me in 2013, I'd be just as excited about it in 2013 as I am in 2023. Like it's not something that's losing any vibe for me. You know what I mean? Evergreen as they call it. That's what they call it. Yes. And I'd have to agree. And that's, and I've, I supplemented a lot of my writing easy back catalog by going to your, well, you, I don't know if it's still up there, but you used to have a, uh, I don't know, they were like a discounted back catalog. And I just, yeah, we got I, it. We have, I we did filled up. Go, 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 go to it. I think um, the, the price has gone up a little bit on them, but I think, yeah, you, there's like, probably 15 titles or so that are like $13 and 50 cents. It's the best deal in town. 
Um, most of it's colored vinyl. It's in the, it's sealed. It's mint. There's not ding corners. It's just stuff that, you know, again, we, we overshot the mark and, or a band didn't tour or band said they were going to tour and they didn't order as many records as they would say, said they were going to order. So it's like, um, it doesn't mean that they're bad records. It just means no, it's that good like, stuff in there. I, gotta, I can make space in my warehouse place, dude. So yeah. like, get that, get them sold. You know, it's good stuff in there. It's swamp. It's bus. It's blackout. It's, you know, like, like, those are off the top of my head that maybe that top. Thomas Yeager one might even be in there at this point, yeah. which is, which is a great record by the way. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's so much stuff that you've done that I'm obviously a big fan of. And you know, I got to give you credit too. I'm going to let you go here soon, but I'm going I'm to give you credit too, before you go, because I think people should hear that you also as somebody who is customer service, you also have great customer service. Uh, I've emailed you, maybe not you specifically, whoever's answering a couple times about order issues and it's shit's taken care of like that. And uh, it's just real easy to deal with. And uh, you can't say that about a lot of labels these days. I appreciate it. Um, it may have been me if, you know, uh, my wife, Jerry, she does a lot of the customer service stuff um, now because um some people are real shitty on there. Yeah, and, uh, I bet. I trust me. I look. I'm. I'm literally. That's my job. I'm customer service. So I, I. So I get it. I, like it, it. It makes me lose faith in humanity when I deal with some of these people. And like some of these people, the way that they come at the email, their tone is like, "Look, motherfucker. Here's your twenty six bucks back. I don't give right. a fuck, and I don't ever want to see your name in my inbox again. Like I don't want you as a customer. Like I really don't. Like you can seriously go fuck off." Um, that's my attitude. Yeah. I, I like that too. I like that. <laughs> like, and like, and, but like, that's not necessarily the best attitude because look, um, I can't judge people because they're, you know, the other thing is like, then I have to put myself in their shoes. like, well, maybe this guy only had $27 and of all the $27 options, he picked to spend it over here and the shit didn't show up or it showed up fucking warped. And but the crazy thing about it is, is that some people think like you did this to me, you don't care about me. And it's like, dude, we ship a lot of records out of here every week and um, we're not playtesting your record, dude. Like, yeah, shit happens. It's vinyl. And there could have been an issue. And then the the crazy thing that happens, too, is um, people with Crosley record players. They call and like, my shit's skipping. And I'm like, okay, what do you got? Oh, I got this record. Okay. Um, we haven't had any complaints about that record skipping. Can you tell me a little, can you show, sell, send me a video of what's going on? And they're literally playing it on a $70 record player, like all in one system. And I'm like, right. well, that's your fucking problem, dude. Like, fuck, like, like tape a quarter on the head unit. Like, I, I don't know, like do something, weight it down a little bit. But um, but yeah, we we have to now make a, a a disclaimer. Like, if you have a Crosley record player, we cannot <laughs> guarantee that the records won't skip because those seems to be the culprit of everything. And um, the messed up part is is that um, it doesn't matter. Like, um, PayPal will always take the consumer side. So like. You know, like one person, they they ordered a couple records to Greece, and then obviously they're playing it on a Crosley. They're skipping. Hey, these are skipping. And I'm like, okay, but if you play it on a different player, it won't skip. And they're like, well, I don't have a different player. And I was like, well, I can tell you right now that it won't. And they're like, well, no, this isn't um, described as is. So, And then they file a claim, and then I have to give them their money back. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like, I just had to give you like 80 bucks back for these two records when the shipping, and I was like, I eat this. And it's like, 
um, you know, we're a small company and like, obviously like 80 bucks isn't going to like make or break anything, but like the principle of it is it's like, we're a small company here. And it's like, we can't like, we can't please everybody, but yes, the customer service is important. And, um, again, well, if I, all I know is, is that, um, a little honey will get you a lot further than vinegar. So if you are going to, we are going to mess up, which we are, there's going to be mishaps, but if you come at it with like, Hey, I'm sure this is an accident. I'm just letting you know, let's try to get this figured out. You're going to get a much better response than if you come at it as shitty. <laughs> totally agree. And, and, uh, I've, I've seen the evidence. Uh, no, I, I've got no, no complaints with you guys. Of course, Thanks, obviously, uh, you've been great. Um, it'll be like a couple of days after this, that it's your 10 year anniversary after this yeah. airs. Um, what's going on? You got anything going? You got anything? We do. Okay. So, uh, we got a ton of great th things going on. Um, release wise, the Westing record just came out. We're shipping it now. We just got early moves repress in brown acid. 16 will go on sale on four four twenty. Um, the pre-sale will happen um, for that. Oh, while I have you here. So we've been pressing a lot of records for many years. Um, during the pandemic, things got really messed up um, with the record situation. And this is, I might be babbling on, if you got to edit me out, then just do it. No, but no. I wanted to go over this because this is an important piece of the puzzle here. So, and I'm not blaming Adele for this problem, but I, but, but she's an example of one of the things that happened. So her record, when it came out, they pressed a million copies. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it caused a lot of problems because no one plant could get a million records done in a timely manner. So they spread it out over five plants. 200,000 pieces, a lot of pieces, um, which compounded so many independent releases because of it. And now they overshot it. And I read a thing that they overpressed it by 500,000 pieces. Wow. So you can imagine what storing 500,000 uh, Adele records looks like. That's pallets on pallets on pallets on pallets. So now there's actually Adele records at thrift stores right now. Like it is like, they're like trying to get rid of it. Right. I can, I can tell you, I, I lost my mind when I walked into a Walmart with my stepdaughter one day and there was, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating a stack of Adele records laying on top of each other. That was, I mean, I'm sitting at my desk, but it was probably this high. It was, that's how they were storing them. They were on the shelf stacked yeah. straight up. Couldn't give a fuck. You know what? They all <laughs> lost their ass on it because they were thinking it was going to be the second coming. Anyways, this is not shitting on Adele. This is, you know, the executives at these companies are ding dongs. They don't have an understand. And it's like, dude, just because Adele streams a fuck ton doesn't mean that fucking like her audience is going out and buying records. But I, I, I digress. Brown acid 14. Um, we did a hand pour version, which was like the only, this is the most fucked up thing that's happened. We did a hand pour version limited to 200 and we did, uh, um, a yellow version, uh, just an opaque yellow version limited to 300. And those were the only two colors that we offered on our website for pre-sale. And the reason that we didn't offer any other colors is because we're like, we should just offer these so that like, and then like when the other colors come in, when they do come in, we'll just put those on the site and we'll just sell them. But we were having so many problems with plants not delivering. Well, the plant delivered the colors that weren't on sale and then lost the fucking parts or damaged the master stampers and then went out of business. 
So um, Brown Acid 14, there is a pre-order for many people that has been in our inbox since last March. And it's almost done now. We've, we've, we were reaching in the end of this, but this is a job that I'm not bullshitting when I say this, went in, got turned in for production in July of 2021. <laughs> wow. And we still do not have these records. So it's all corrected now. The print got pulled out of there. It's all at RTI now. RTI is going to be pressing this record. Um, so, but Brown Acid 14, there's 400 people that pre-ordered it from us that don't have the version that they ordered. We offered up other colors, but there's many people are like, I've waited this long. I'm just going to wait for the hand pour. It's cool. I get it. No worries. But you know, it's been going on for like a long time now, you know? And so anyways, um, so I don't want anybody to get upset when I start promoting Brown Acid 16. We're all very aware of your issues with Brown Acid 14. It is the bane of my existence. It's been a thorn in my side for over a year now, but we are going to get through this people. Um, so we've got that going on, but Brown Acid 16 goes on sale on 420. We're doing a record store day release this year. That's an official record store day release. Um, it's um, it's a, it's called Max Million. It's a uh, three piece kind of like, psychedelic uh heavy rock band um uh that's um it's dope man i mean it could it sounds kind of like uh it sounds kind of like hendrix in a way um it's jerry nolan from um the new york dolls the drummer hmm. new york dolls it's his yeah. first band um it's very in the same realm as brown acid or whatnot um it was originally on abc records back in the in 68 uh, it's a gatefold it's sick so anyways um those are limited to 600 uh through um rsd um and that's going to be in in stores um they've already shipped like they're sitting at the distributor now like it's a done deal we have them so um and then if and then we'll probably end up selling some on the website but if you can go and buy them at the, at the local record store, support your record stores. You know, it's important, important thing to do. So we have that coming up. Um, we'll have a new death chant record out this year. We'll have a new Mondo drag record out this year. We'll have a new zigzags record out this year. Um, scrap metal two just came out, which is kind of where Brown acid drops off and heavy metal picks up. Um, and so those are like all eighties and early nineties, like obscure heavy metal tracks with some fucking bangers in it. So you should check that out. And then, um, yeah, we got bands on tour, uh, the well and fire breather tour kicks off death chance on the road right now through the rest of the month of April. Um, who else is uh, early moves just finished up, but they'll be headed back out on the road in June. Stay tuned for that announcement. Um, and, uh, Oh yes. We're also this, I haven't talked about this at all, but we'll talk about it here. Um, acid Kings first record was a 10 inch. It came out on the sympathy for the record industry. Um, Dale Crover from the Melvins played drums and co-produced the record. Um, we are reissuing that for the first time in like 26 years. Um, it's going to be a 12 inch. Um, and so it's cut to 45. There's a really killer, um, like uh inner sleeve with a bunch of like pictures from back in the day. Um, we're working on some really cool back in the day video from that time, VHS tapes getting them dumped in. So yeah, man, like there's some great stuff going on. And then um, we've got a ton of like killer um, brown acid, like style reissues, like records that came across that way. So like, keep, keep your eyes peeled. So we really do have a pretty split roster of like, 
brand new shit and stuff that's like died on the vine, but we're bringing it back to life. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Daniel Hall. And despite my voice cracking, I am not a 13 year old boy. I feel like one right now, which is not a good thing. Anyway, thanks to Daniel for the conversation. I really do love this label. Uh, I want to buy everything they put out all the time. I stop myself, but I'm glad that I picked up the ice record, which you just heard a track off of. That was Running High by Ice from the album Ice Age. It's available from Riding Easy, of course. I'd highly suggest you dive into the Brown Acid compilations if that tickled your fancy. If you like heavy rock and roll, there's no reason not to. A lot of stuff to find out there. And Riding Easy is doing the work for you. You just got to listen. It's pretty It's pretty simple. I haven't yet got into the scrap metal records, but like I'm holding off. Like I don't feel like I can yet. It's, a, it's like a whole other world that uh, is going to 
is going to, is going to grab me and pull me in and I'm ready for it. But wait, let me rephrase. I'm not ready for it. I just can't do it yet. I don't have the bandwidth, but I will. It's coming. Anyway, that's, that's gotta be it for this episode because I am on my deathbed podcasting till the end. But again, big thanks to Daniel for his time for the chat. I really enjoyed it and for filling me in on all sorts of stuff. And you got to learn too. How about that? So let's end this with yet another track from the Riding Easy catalog. How about one from Death Chant? I really like their album Waste. And this track, Black Dirt, is from that album. So check it out. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.